You're listening to the Bright City Podcast. To hear more about our gatherings, groups, and what's going on in the life of our church, visit brightcity.church or follow Bright City Church on Instagram. Today's message is from Pastor Nick. Good morning. All right, are you with me? Listen, your caffeination is your own responsibility. I cannot can control, we can't control the weather, but we can control our caffeine. So I hope you guys are caffeinated. I'm on cup three, so I'm feeling good about my choices this morning. Some of y'all are like, oh, that's, that's a lot. And I'm like, no, I'm a parent. This is survival. I'm out here in the streets trying to earn my keep. Um, <laughs> I'm just making sure they're awake. I knew I had to bring extra energy this morning, and I know half of you are loving it, and half of you are regretting your choices this morning, and that's okay. Let me uh, pray for us, and then we'll jump in. Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would uh, just start your healing work this morning, Father. I just pray that I, I pray that, that we know that flourishing only happens because of healing. And so, Father, I just pray uh, just for the wounds. Uh, I just pray for the... Uh, just maybe the places of pride or maybe the unseen places that you would begin uh, to heal those spots this morning. And Father, we, we just know that you are the only one qualified to heal those places in our lives. And you don't do it uh, with a machete. You do it with a scalpel. You are kind, you are gracious, and you are loving, and you are gentle, and you are a great father who loves your kids deeply. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray uh, that we would step into a new realm of flourishing this morning, um, and that we would know that it is not because of a podcast or a book or uh, just some sort of self-help thing that we did, uh, but, but God, that it is the power of the Spirit. It is your Holy Spirit at work in us. So, Father, we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we've been on this journey of, of flourishing, talking about how to flourish. And part of that is honestly just to meet you where you are. Um, if, if I were you and you were me, I, as we begin a new year, part of that is us trying to figure out how do we grow as people? Or how do we take those steps towards being a better, healthy self? And maybe that's not your journey, but for most of us, we're trying to figure out how that works. And, and if you remember, maybe you were here in week one, we talked about how sometimes a new year brings these new pressures that we didn't know of. And we kind of feel like we have to hold 10 things together in order to take one step in life. And kind of what I did was did some props and I talked about all these ropes that we have in life and how sometimes we feel like we have to hold all these goals, all these dreams, all these ropes. But when you read scripture, there's kind of only one rope we have to hold on to, and that is the rope that Jesus gives us. And we used John 15, and we did that because uh, John speaks of Jesus talking about him being the vine. And so we are engrafted into uh, the vine as branches. And part of our growth or part of our flourishing happens because we are holding on to the rope of Jesus. And so how do we grow? Well, how we grow is that we hold on to Jesus with all that we have. And when we go through our days, it might seem weird, but we talk to Jesus we ask him, what does he want in this moment? We ask him, what, what does he want with our life? Well, God, what are you doing? How are you moving? How is your spirit guiding me today? 
I, I know that sounds weird and that maybe some of you wake up every day with the, the to-do list and you're going to knock it out. But have you ever thought about God guiding your to-do list? It's like, oh, okay, well, that's a different story, and maybe I'll actually get this stuff done, and actually this will move the ball forward in my life in a way that I flourish. And so I don't know where everyone is in this room, but I do know that if you are here, there is a possibility in your life that you do want to flourish and you do want to grow. And what if growth doesn't happen in your natural ability, but it happens through supernatural ability by the power of the Holy Spirit? And so when we grow, we realize that not only do we need to grow and want to grow, but in order to grow, sometimes we have to change. How many of you like change? Yeah, no, I don't like change. We don't, none of us like change. We would kick and scream uh, if, 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 if change came in our lives. And so sometimes part of growth means that we change. Well, how, how do we change? Well, the beautiful thing about changing when it comes to our relationship with Jesus is that he is so gracious and loving to help us change. I think a lot of times people think that God's up in heaven like tapping his foot, asking us to get our life together. Does anyone have that picture of God where you're like, I, I know he's waiting for me to get my junk together. Like I know he sees my post. Like I know he's waiting for me to figure out my life, but I'm a work in progress. This, God's not up there tapping his heavenly foot. He is gracious and he's loving and he is gentle to his kids. There's actually a great verse that I try to remember often is that it's God's kindness that leads us to change. But it actually uses another word. It's called repentance. And I think sometimes we equate repentance with this like deep southern gospel theology. But what actually happens when we repent is that God unleashes refreshment in our lives. Who doesn't want refreshment, right? But what happens sometimes when God wants us to grow is sometimes there is this thing called pain that he uses. And sometimes we have questions about why God would use this pain. And I don't know the answers to all those questions, but here's what I do know, is that some of us, we would never pay attention to God if it wasn't for pain. Like, we don't deal well with prosperity, right? Like, I think a lot of times when you read the Bible, you're like, oh, there's those Israelites doing their dang thing, worshiping the golden calf, living their life. Like, w when the wheels started to wobble for God's people, Israel, in the Bible, it wasn't because of sin, it was because of prosperity. So I think sometimes we have a hard time seeking God and worshiping God and following God and prosperity. And sometimes there's a corrective course that happens through pain. Like what happens when so-and-so breaks up with you and you're crying tears and, and down in boxed wine and, and watching rom-coms? Is that just me? Okay. Like, like all of a sudden you're awakened, right? You're, you, there's something in you that is seeking. And it's like, why is this happening? What on earth is going on? or if you get fired or laid off from your job, or if you have this major life-altering change in your life, like for the first time, you become open. Like before that, you're on autopilot, but for the first time, you're like, all right, like change is coming. What does that mean? How does that work? How does that happen in my life? And so God is gracious to give us change, and through change, we flourish. Well, Flourishing starts with self, right? Like it starts with us looking inward and doing some introspective thinking and trying to figure out what God is doing in our lives as individuals. 
Flourishing may start with self, but flourishing is only sustained through friendships and relationships. So when you read the Bible, and particularly the book of Hebrews, there's this moment in Hebrews 11 and 12 where the author is telling us to keep going. In order to keep going, we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And so there's Jesus, and we're looking at Jesus, and we're trying to figure out how we're going to continue in this life. But the other thing that the author does in that moment is it reminds us of the great cloud that we come from. He actually, those are his words. It's a great cloud of witnesses that is the church, the people of God. And so when I read that, I'm reminded that if we are going to flourish in life, if we are going to continue in life, if we're going to keep going in life, we need friendships and relationships. Can we all agree on that? Like when you read scriptures and you read Genesis, uh, particularly I think it's chapter 2, verse 18, there's this moment where God gives Adam man's best friend, right? So like Adam's out there with all the animals. And for all you hunters out there where you just wish you were in a deer stand somewhere in life right now and not around people, this is a great testament to you and your heart and your life is that there was a thing that animals did in that moment and Adam's out there naming the animals and him and his best friend. But after a while, he got lonely. And then the scripture says, it's not good for man to be alone. And so God gave Adam Eve. And so from the beginning, you see that, yes, God is walking amongst his people. And so it's like, well, you just have the presence of God. Isn't that enough? Like God's presence is everything. Well, God's like, hey, you have, you have my perfect presence, but I'm also going to give you people. And then you continue on in the scripture and you see that over and over that God is forming a people and these people depend upon each other to flourish. And when you read and get to Proverbs, Proverbs is over and over and over again reminding us that your future depends upon your friendships. And there's this one pastor I love. He says it this way. He says, show me your friends and I will tell you your future. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, all right. You didn't have to go there, but... Like, because friendships, who we walk with in this life determines where we end up. It's Proverbs 13, 20. And so friendships are important, and I think we all don't like being alone to some extent. My introverts out there, you're like, no, Nick, I, I love being alone all the time. Like, even the introverts can get to a place where they're like, okay, enough loneliness. I need the people. But what I find is that sometimes we have a skewed vision of what that could look like, and then we don't really know how to implement friendships and how to sustain and start relationships in our lives. And when I say vision, here's what I mean by that is I think sometimes a lot of us think friendships looks like the show friends. You're, you're, well, that's why I'm rewatching it, Nick. I'm just trying to figure out how they did it all. Like, right. Like how do I get the life where I'm living in Manhattan. Anyone else? You're like, oh man, if I could just live in Manhattan, like right in the heart of everything. And I could have a sweet apartment. Like those, those things were incredible. Like multi-room apartments with like multiple bathrooms. Like this is, this is incredible. And then you're like, also, if I could just have the lifestyle and the friendships that allow me to hang out in the coffee shop all day, right? Like who doesn't want to drink coffee with their friends all day? Like some of us base our employment 
situations off of being able to get coffee with friends. What do you do? I'm an entrepreneur. Why are you doing that? Because I just want to get coffee with my friends whenever I can. Like, it's just the life I live for myself, and this is my cross to bear, and so therefore I'm going to do this. And then you get to the point where you're watching the show, and you're like, well, what do they actually do for work? And you're like, oh, well, that's like season 12. You got to wait till later on until you see what they actually do in life. And I think sometimes our vision of what friendships look like keep us from connection. It's like, because we say this a lot at Bright City, is you can have expectancy, but be careful with expectations. Like expectancy means that I believe God's going to move. Expectancy believes that I know God is over everything and is in everything and he is sovereign. Expectancy is the fruit of faith. But what happens is is sometimes that creeps into expectations. And what expectations kind of project is I think God should move this way. And if he doesn't, I'm out. Has anyone else ever felt that way towards God? Like, God, if you don't do this, I'm out. Like, if you don't move this way, I'm out. God, I actually have a better plan than your plan. Like, I know, like, you hung the stars and the skies and the sun, like, for whatever reason, comes up every day, and then the moon comes out, and, like, there's all this creation thing that you're sustaining that you've got going on, and that's great, and that's a wonderful track record, but, God, I think, it's just a humble brag, like, I think I might know better than you. Like, I know myself And I know myself better than you. Like, you've got all these people to worry about. I just have me to worry about. And sometimes we project our expectations of what we think God is going to do or should do in our life rather than have expectancy that God is going to move in our life. And so when it comes to friendships and relationships, sometimes we put expectations on those things rather than having expectancy for those things. Like, part of my 20s and 30s, was putting to death past friendships that I had and the expectations that I had that they would continue into the future. And you start thinking about like college or, you know, high school, and you're like, oh my gosh, we hung out all the time. It was so great. And then we went on these trips and it was awesome. And then we slept outside. Like I slept outside a few years ago and I can't do that anymore. Like this this body is a temple and it is an old temple. And I'm just not cut out to sleep outside like I was in the past. Like I, I, I recently, st- thank you, amen, God bless you. I recently stayed up until 2 a.m. Why? What? How? Like I, I can't, I can't, like the old Nick is, is now. Like, you know, the old Nick is gone. No, 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 the old Nick is now. Like spiritually the old is gone, but physically the old is now. And that's what's happened in my life. And so I think sometimes when we have a vision of friendships in our lives, we're putting past expectations on present friendships. And we're like, hey, this is how it should be. And then we realize that we, we, it's not how it's going to be. And then we get disappointed, right? And sometimes disappointment leaks into discouragement. And then sometimes discouragement leaks into despair. And then sometimes despair leads to depression. And then next thing you know, Netflix is asking you if you want to keep watching right? It's true. So we have to have a proper vision of what God is doing in relationships and friendships. But not only do we have to have a proper vision, we have to actually know how, right? Like, I think we all don't want to be alone in our deepest core. 
Like I think even introverts are secure in their introvertism because they know that they're not alone if they don't want to be. But I, I think we all have this longing that we don't want to be alone and that we want to establish friendships, but we don't know how. And so when I look at God's word, interestingly, this is the point where I pivot to Jesus, right? Jesus is your answer. And like, but when you look at the scriptures, one of the most beautiful things about Jesus, specifically when you look at John's gospel, is that John starts his gospel with the word being made flesh and dwelling among his people. And so when you're reading John 1, he gives this heavenly vision of who Jesus is. Like it's just out of this world. And that's the point is that out of this world has come to dwell in this world. And so who are we to walk among the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? And for whatever reason, God chose to put on human skin and walk among us. And so he's painting this beautiful picture. And then when you get to John 15, you see that the logos, the word made flesh, the one who was always there in the beginning is now talking about friendship. It's like, whoa, 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 hold on. Like I grew up in Sunday school. Like we, we, we said a lot of thouest and theist and oh, thou heavenliest God, like thou art out. Like we didn't say are, we said art. And so for a while people were wondering we were talking about art. No, no, we're talking about are, God, you are, not art. Like we use this heavenly language for God and we forget that God is friend to man. And so when you're reading the scriptures, you see in the Old Testament that only specific people had relationship and friendship with God. And so when Moses was face to face with God, they call him a friend of God. And then you get to the New Testament, Jesus comes and he busts open the door of friendship. Like, just think about this. Like when you think about the plan of salvation for all mankind, like he could have just snapped his fingers. But for whatever reason, he implemented a three-year plan of bringing salvation and bringing healing and bringing forgiveness and bringing grace among relationships. And it ended on the cross. And so when you read Luke 7, 34, it also talks about Jesus being friend with people, friends with people he wouldn't normally be friends with, right? Or people wouldn't normally be friends with. Like, who is this person that eats with CPAs and people who are business people, CPAs are like, wait, what? Are we bad people? There's tax collectors. I was cleaning it up. I was trying to make it relevant. Some of you are in the midst of taxes and you're like, no, no, no. This is, this is bad. But Jesus would come and he would eat with these tax collectors. And they'd be like, wait, why, why is Jesus over there eating with those sinners? Wait, why, why is he's unclean now? What, what's happening here? And he was just proving to everyone that there's something bigger in the kingdom and it's called relationship and friendship. And so it calls, the scriptures say, Jesus, friend of sinners and tax collectors. And so when we land in our text today in John's gospel, in John 15, like I want you to see the trajectory of what's happening here because in John 11, Jesus goes and he goes to this person named Lazarus, right? And he tells Lazarus, to come out of the grave and he resurrects Lazarus. And there's this major theological thing that's happening there and that God can resurrect people from the dead. But I think there's something profound here also is that Jesus was shifting from having this external ministry to really focusing on his friendships. 
And so when Jesus goes to Lazarus, he's going to prove a theological point, but he's also going because that's his friend. And you're like, okay, all right, so Jesus got friends, okay. Like, that's a miracle that, that anybody has friends, but Jesus has friends, so that's great. And then you continue on in 12 and 13, and then you see this profound thing happen where Jesus starts to talk to his disciples and give him his final words. And he, one of the first things he does is he washes their feet. And, I, and I'm sure that none of y'all had that vision for your friendship. So I did, this is not like a foot washing ceremony. But the thing he's trying to prove there is he's like, hey, I, I'm, th- this, this is important to me. Like our relationship is important to me. Yes, I hold salvation. Yeah, I have this bigger thing going on in the kingdom of God. But I need you to know that the connection that we've had over the last three years is very important to me. And then he does what any person would do right before their death, who is a friend. He's like, hey, I need to give you some final words. And so through John 14 through 16, he's like, hey, you're my friend. And I need, I need, to, I need to tell you what to do because I'm not going to be here any longer. And so I'm going to teach you how to walk and live and do and have meaningful connection while I'm gone. And so when we've been in John 15, we've been talking about Jesus being the vine and we are the branch and God's the father. And so when we abide in Jesus, he abides in us. And then we have a fruit that comes out of that. But then he shifts it a little bit and it might seem really weird. You're like, wait a minute, abiding, all these things is happening. But then he starts to talk about their relationships with each other. And so John 15, starting in verse 12, this is what he says. He says, so this is my command. Love each other deeply as much as I have loved you. For the greatest love of all is a love that sacrifices all. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. You show that you are my intimate friends when you obey all that I have commanded you. I have never called you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants. And servants don't always understand what his master is doing. But I call you my most intimate and cherished friends. For I reveal to you everything that I've heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I've chosen you and commissioned you to go into the world and bear fruit. And your fruit will last because whatever you ask of my Father for my sake, he will give it to you. So this is my parting command. Love one another deeply. Here's what I know. Relationships aren't a science. If it was, I would package it in a book in a DVD set or like how it was streaming. Excuse me, we don't do DVDs anymore. Sorry. I would package it up and I would sell it and I'd be a millionaire. But that's not what happened. Relationships are objective and they are a soil by which we have to till and care for so that friendships grow out of that. And so what I want to do is I want to give you a few things to have good soil in your life so that you can have lasting friendships in your life. So one of the first things that we see is that friendships require, or friendships that last require pursuit. Friendships that last require pursuit. So Jesus first off says, love each other deeply as much as I have loved you. And so what, what, what's happening here is he's just letting them know that, yes, he, they were pursued. Like when you think about Jesus, when you think about the life that he lives, and when you think about the life that we have this side on the cross, like that is who he is. Jesus, the one who pursues. 
Here's the craziest thing about Jesus is he pursues us when we don't want anything to do with him. That's just how incredible he is. But what he's establishing in the midst of friendships is that pursuit is a two-way street. Like, I know me, and I think I might know you, and you might be offended by that because it's like, no, Nick, I'm different, I'm a unicorn, and, I, and you don't know me, and get up all out my grill. But here's what I think I know about you. We all love to be pursued, am I right? Like, it feels good. Like, you get, like, that letter in the mail. It's like, hey, we're thinking about you, or, like, that text or that DM, or, like, you get that invitation on a trip, or you get this invitation to do this and do that. Like, we all love pursuit, but very few of us love to pursue others. Like, when I think about my relationships in my life and when I get into these dark seasons of loneliness, I'm throwing myself, like, the best pity party ever. Like, it's, why doesn't anybody love me? and call me and pursue me and speak to me. And like, you know, you come into church and you like sit down in your chair and you're like, well, they're going to come to me. Like I'm, I'm here. Like God's, God's brought me this far and now he's got to bring the people to me. Like I get it. Like, because what happens in life is that we have these things called relationships. And in those relationships, we get hurt, we get wounded and we get rejected. And that's just growing up in our family homes, right? <laughs> And then we've got to step out of the home and we've got to try to figure out relationships. And so we're like these wounded birds trying to figure out how to fly. And I think we forget that true and lasting relationships require pursuit, but not just pursuit from us, but pursuit from the other person as well. Like it, it, it's a lot, right? But this is what Jesus is showing us. Like, they didn't, like, answer a call and an ad to follow this guy, Jesus. Like, Jesus intentionally went to them at their job and said, hey, I see you. I want you to follow me. Like, that was the basis of the relationship. And so when it comes to lasting friendships in your life, your pursuit is going to have to be present. And here's the crazy thing is your relationships will be the fruit of your pursuit. Like it is just going to be the fruit of how you pursue. But here's the hard part. And this is like a gift of God, but also like a, ouch, God, that hurt. Thank you, but no thank you. The things that you long for are usually the things that you need to be led to do. And so if you're like, man, I just wish someone would see me. I just wish someone would call me. I wish someone would text me. I wish someone would value me. I wish someone would ask me out to lunch. I wish someone would ask me to do this Bible study. I wish some, someone asked me to do this, do that. Like the things that you're longing for are usually you're leading to do those things. So what would it look like for you to pursue someone? You're like, I don't know how. I've never been pursued. Have you been pursued by Jesus before? Have you been pursued by the Father who is over it all and in it all and through it all? Like, we have the perfect pursuer. Like, he loved us when we didn't love him. He pursued us when we wanted nothing to do with him. We'll give him the middle finger for at least a year and come back and he's still there, right? Like, that's the beautiful thing about Jesus. He's always pursuing, always wooing, always after our hearts. And so if we have the great pursuer who is active and living in us, then we know how to pursue people. So how's your pursuit? How's your pursuit? I, I, it's hard to get that. Like, this is adulting. Are you ready? This is adulting. Is you stop looking at self and you start looking at others. And you're like, hey, how, how can I bless you? How can I love you? 
Jess has this phrase that she always uses for, for the gals, but then, and she tells our daughter all the time. So hopefully this relate to guys as well. I, I think it does. But she says, are you going to be a here I am person or a there you are person? And here's what I mean by that is, are you going to walk up into every room and be like, hey, here I am. I'm here. So good for me to be here. You guys are all blessed by my presence now. Like we don't, we don't, we don't say that, but we subconsciously do it. Or are we going to be people that say, hey, there you are. I see you. How was your week? How was your job? How was your day? How was your life? Like, like we, we all went to families on holidays. Like, are we all doing okay? Blink once, blink twice, like whatever you need to do. Like I, I talked to some of y'all, you're like, man, uh, life's okay, but man, I had to go home. And it's like, yeah. Like we, we, like the funny thing is, is we've got everyone in this room convinced that it's only us that have the problems, but we're all in this room with the problems. So why can't we pursue each other? To flourish means that you're going to have to get outside of yourself and you're going to have to pursue other people. And you're not going to know how to do everything and you're not going to do it exactly right. But the point is that you're going to do it. So then we continue on and Jesus shows us that it's not just pursuit that we need in our friendships, but we need sacrifice in order to have lasting friendships. And you're like, ouch, I was okay with the pursuit, but the sacrifice. He says, for the greatest love of all is a love that sacrifices all. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. You show that you are my intimate friends when you obey all that I've commanded. And so he's bringing sacrifice to the picture. And what I think is we all think about the payoff that comes with friendships, but very rarely do we think about the sacrifice, right? Like when you think about the people who have loved you well in life, did they, they love you well in life because they always took or that they gave of themselves and sacrificed? Like I think about my youth leader back in the day. His name was Robbie Fisher and homeboy sacrificed a lot for me. Like he was, like I was an annoying middle schooler and high schooler and he met with me all the time. If I asked to meet with him, he'd meet with me. If I asked to read this book about the will of God, because I'm trying to figure out how to make a decision in my life, and even though that decision was probably like what to eat tomorrow, like turkey sandwich or ham sandwich, like he still met with me because he's like, hey, I, I want to walk this out with you, so let's read a book on the will of God so you can figure out what to eat tomorrow and figure your life out because you're a hot mess. If you were going to have lasting friendships, you were going to need to have sacrificial friendships. And that's going to happen on both sides. And so Jesus is pointing the picture back to the sacrifice. And of course, he's going to come into play later with sacrificing himself on the cross. And he's like, hey, this lasts because of the sacrifice. But also you see it mutually with the disciples, right? Like the disciples gave up a lot to follow Jesus. That was like the prerequisite, right? Like give up the family, give up the family business, like be gone for your wife for a while. Like they gave up three years of their life. And I believe that the richness of this moment was because of sacrifice. But when I think about our lives, here's how this works also, is that we have to sacrifice other things in our lives if we're going to have friendships in our lives. And so you're like 50 travel plans that you have for your vacations, like 50 vacations because you're an entrepreneur and you travel, like, like you, you are not going to experience lasting relationships if you are always on a plane. You will always have a great story to tell, but you will have no one to tell it to. <laughs> like, 
Okay, we'll pause. <laughs> if your job is your friend, you will not have relationships. If your time is only yours, you will not have time for anyone else. You know this. You make room in your lives for the things that matter. So do friendships matter? Does connection matter? Like here's the crazy thing about God is he is not a bully. He will let you continue to live the way that you're going to live if you don't put on the brakes for yourself. And so if you are going to have lasting friendships and relationships, number one, they have to be founded upon sacrifice on both sides. But then also number two, you're going to have to sacrifice something for the sake of those friendships. Like I get it. Like I love, like I'm an introvert. Like I love me time. But I know that friendships don't happen if I'm the only one in the room. Like that's, that's, that's different. Like that's not how that works. And so you've got to sacrifice the things that you're going to sacrifice in order to have friendships. So Jesus is saying, hey, if you, if you want love, I need you to know that it's going to come through sacrifice. Like if you want connection with someone, it's going to come through sacrifice. Like the connection the disciples had was because they all mutually sacrificed something in order to walk with this guy for three years. How is your sacrifice? Are you protecting everything like you're a goalie or something, and you're like, I got to protect this, I got to protect that, I got to protect this, I got to protect that. You got to be open-handed if you're going to have lasting friendships. Another thing he points to is that friendships require worthwhile communication. He says, but I call you my friend, my most intimate and cherished friends, for I reveal to you everything that I've heard from my father. Here's one thing I've noticed about friendships is I think that we all long for deep communication and conversation, but we still talk about shallow things, right? Like we, we long to talk about deep things, but for whatever reason, we're like, hey, how's the weather? It's good. It's raining. It's raining. Always raining here in South Carolina. Well, that's good. It probably won't rain tomorrow. Well, the 10 day set, like we'll just go on and on and on, on about a 10 day forecast when all we want to talk about is like actual lasting things in this life. And so when it comes to our friendships, if we are going to have surface communication, then we will have surface friendships. If you're just going to stay above water, then you will not get down to the things that you need to get down to in life. But here's the crazy thing is we all long for it. Like, like we're all sitting around here talking about like, oh man, I just, just wish I had someone to connect with. I just wish I had someone to talk to talk about with my heart, like talk to them about my heart. I wish I could just tell someone how hard the day was and they could tell me how hard their day was. But here's the trick. Here's the trick with deep communication is that you are communicating the heart of God to the other person. So here's what that means is that you have to encourage, that you have to equip, that you have to say, hey, I see you. I see God's work in you. Like keep going. Don't give up yet. I know you want to give up. I know your job sucks. I know this is that and that's that, but, but I, I believe that God wants to tell you something about this. And for whatever reason, we live on the surface, not ever talking about anything. Men, like we are the MVP of this club. Like we will talk on and on about our hobbies, our teams, our things, and the, the trucks and the, the wheels and the rims and the equipment. 
and all, all the things, but we never talk about the things of God with each other. And we're all wondering, like, why we can't connect with each other. Like, what if there is a deeper connection that you can have with people, but it's going to require that you talk about deep things? As Jesus is like, hey, I just need you to know that I didn't give you the training wheels. Like, everything I got from the Father, I'm giving to you. And so in your relationships, are you giving everything you got from the Father when it comes to communication? You've got to communicate deeply. The last thing, in order to have lasting friendships, they need a purpose. They need a destination. He says, you did not choose me, but I have chosen and commissioned you to go out into the world and bear fruit. So to me, this is like the, the conversation that everyone has. Like, hey, is church like church if it's just me and my girlfriends like at a coffee shop or at a happy hour, like just talking about life. And like, we've, we've got this going on, Nick. We've, we did what you said here. We did what you said there. We did what you said here. And, and so we're, we're, we're dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's. Like, is this church or is, is this like deep kingdom relationship? And here's the only thing I would say to you is where are you going? Where are you heading? What are you doing in this life? And here's something even bigger that I would say. Are you doing it for y'all or are you doing it for the kingdom? Like you could be crushing it in this life, but what are you doing for the kingdom? And so Jesus is saying here in this moment, he's saying, hey, I I need you to know that this is great that we spent three years together. This is great that we have deep communication and we sacrifice and we pursue one another. But I need you to know that we've got places to go. We've got lives to change. We've got people to call back to the Father. There are people in this world that need healing and they need to know that there is forgiveness. They need to know that there is a Jesus in heaven who loves them and who did everything to make a way for the Father. And there is a kingdom that has the this power that is life-changing and can change the lives of our neighbors and that can change our city and that can change this world. And I just, I want friendships that are a part of this kingdom because this is the kingdom that has the power. If the friendships are rooted in the kingdom of this world, they have no power. They're surface. You might as well just be at a country club playing golf and drinking mimosas and talking about the weather because that's what they are. But what happens is, is Jesus is unleashing a people of relationships to change this world. And so do your friendships have a destination? Do they have a purpose? Is that purpose rooted in the kingdom? And I think too often we're over here longing for deeper things and more things and trying to figure out why we're not flourishing, but we're trying to flourish out in the kingdom of this world rather than the kingdom of heaven. And so if you are going to have lasting friendships, they need to be built on the foundation of something that lasts. So where are your friendships going? That doesn't mean you don't have acquaintances. That's what this whole thing is about, is that you have deep and lasting friendships that are rooted in the kingdom so you can bring more people into the kingdom. Are you rooted somewhere? Are you going somewhere? And so Jesus is saying, hey, these These friendships right here, these 12, they're heading somewhere. Or these 11, excuse me, Judas was heading somewhere else. Like, like they're they're heading somewhere. And so when you get to Acts, you're like, oh my gosh, like Peter was scared to talk to a teenage girl about Jesus. And now he's talking to the high council about Jesus. And then you're like, that's my friend. Like he's crazy. They call him a rock. Some people say that's because it's a good foundation, but I think he's hard headed, but that's still my friend. Right? 
Like when you see the early church, it unleashed the way that it did because of friendships and relationships. So when it comes to your life, how are your friendships and relationships? Are you pursuing? Are you sacrificing? Are you communicating? And do you have a deep, deep purpose that you're bearing fruit in the kingdom of God? If not, there might be some evaluation that needs to happen. It doesn't mean you cut them off. It doesn't mean that you, you completely just turn them away from your life. But it does make you think, like, where are the friendships that are going to help me keep going in those other relationships? Those other relationships might be a ministry, but they're not a friendship. That's great. That's awesome. Invite them into your people. Like, do the dang thing. But don't confuse deep relationships with surface relationships. There is more. But here's the hard part. You ready? We got to get over ourselves. We got to get over our wounds. We got to get over the places of fear. Right? Like, who hasn't been hurt by a person? That's like our specialty. That's what we do. But you know what God's specialty is? Is redemption, grace, forgiveness, and healing. So stop rejecting people before they can reject you. Stop wounding people out of the wounds that you have. Stop living in fear when it comes to people and step into the faith that God's given you. Someone prayed this in prayer this morning. God didn't give you a spirit of fear, right? We're all afraid. Where did that spirit come from? Not him. Um, I shared this in prayer, but I'll, I'll close with it. Is uh, last week I had was last week the week before I had two funerals. And I like, the first one was like uh, this, I was actually like this, hold your judgment. I was excited about going to this funeral, not because of death, but because of the people I would see there. And I just like, I knew that it was going to be an incredible celebration. And I like walk into it and like people are talking and, and everybody's just, it was like the loud, like, did I come to a church service? Like what happened here? Like, like there were greeters at the door. It was like, you belong here. Come on, welcome home. And I was like, it's a funeral, right? And, and, you know, I had to do a double take, but it was just such an amazing time. And when I got home, I had a family member ask me like, hey, and this was something that they had been talking about amongst themselves and I had no idea about it. But I was like, hey, did you, did you come in as a beloved child or a wounded child? And I was like, well, number one, I never thought about that going into it. So I'm glad I didn't know that because I'd have been scared to go because I would have been a wounded child. But I really did come from a place of, of just this this loved child. I was like, this was my family. Like this, this family helped raised me. This is, this is, this is the family that like just gave me my first steps in the formation of Jesus. And then I had to go to the other funeral and just kind of called me jokingly like a politician of the funeral. Cause I like, I got in there and there were all the family members and it was a family member of mine and nobody was talking to anyone. I was like, oh God, here we go. And so I like started like just reevaluating all the decisions I had ever made in life. I was like, why did I drive five hours to be here? What am I doing with my life? How did I get here? Where even are we? I know maps brought me here. Did it bring me to the right place? Like, I don't even know where I'm at. Like, this is a funeral. Is it, you know, and I had this moment where I was like, 
I, I could like feel myself re revolting back to woundedness. And I was like, no, 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 this is not who I am. This is not who I am. And I felt the spirit of God raise up in me and say, hey, you are a loved child. And so, like, I guess what every great politician does, I started working the room, like, hey, it's so good to see you. Like, how is life? How are you? Like, oh, you watch TV eight hours a day? That, what, what, what's your favorite thing to watch? <laughs> Don't understand. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, I, this is not a story I'm making up. Like, this is something that somebody told me. This was their life. You have two options in this life. You can live as a wounded child or you can live as a loved child. And a loved child operates out of security. And a loved child gets with other loved children and you establish connections of love and friendship and you grow together in Jesus. But if you continue to operate in your woundedness, you will only become more wounded and you will only wound more people. And so that's my charge that I leave to you. Do not walk out of this place as a wounded child. It's not who you are. That's not why Jesus died on the cross. That's not why he adopted you as a son or a daughter. That's not why he's pronounced healing and grace and forgiveness over your life. Like you are a loved child. So let's love each other that way, right? Let me pray. Father, I just pray that you would heal our hearts that you would do what only you could do words, words mean nothing without power so Holy Spirit we, we invite you into this moment would you just do the work heal our hearts Lord make us whole restore our status as children Redeem our relationships. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening in to Bright City. If this was encouraging, we'd love for you to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're an owner at Bright City, you can give online at brightcity.church or on Venmo to Bright City. Before you go, we'd love to speak this benediction from Matthew 5 over you. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We love you, Bright City.